For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. In the virtual studio today, we have Al, myself, Anthony, and we got a special guest from Yahoo Sports, Real GM, Celtics blog, the front office show, a little bit of everything. Mr. Keith Smith, what's going on, sir? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, so, so we're we're super excited to have you on. Um, I, I know that it's kind, of, it's kind of out there. It wasn't confirmed. But I know as a fan, the first the first that I heard of the Orlando Magic and the NBA, of course, returning back to the NBA last season during the whole pandemic um, and tying that in with Disney. I heard that from you. You were the first <laughs> you were the first person. I'm not sure if it was officially credited to you. Um, I'm not sure if any communication happened at all. But the first I heard it, the first idea was directly from from you. Yeah, that article, I wrote that article and posted on April 15th, I believe, or 16th of last year. And then it was about two weeks after that, we started hearing that the NBA was in talks with couple places, including Disney. And then from there, it picked up from there. The only thing we ever heard from the league was when the day the article posted later that afternoon, we got a message that said, uh, thank you for a thoughtful and thorough idea. And that was the extent of it that that is good to hear so because i'm a, i don't believe in coincidences i believe that um if it if it matches then it's kind of that's kind of the path that you have to go right <laughs> yeah i mean for me i really you know i had worked for disney for nearly 20 years prior to leaving to cover the nba full time so i knew disney could do that i felt very confident on that so that was really where i kind of left it from there is you know hey they're gonna figure this out if anywhere makes sense there's people were talking about silly things like private islands and cruise ships and yeah you know other stuff that just was never gonna work so so that's why we wrote the article and you know quite frankly i'm just thankful we got the season back and completed last year so we we definitely thank you because uh, honestly, if it wasn't for you, you saved the NBA season. Because I, I I tried thinking about other ways that it could have worked. I know that there was talks about Las Vegas and other venues, um, but I mean when you when you talk about the success that they had in the bubble, where they literally were at a hundred percent, were able to complete the season, no COVID, you know the the process that they had in place, it was almost perfect. 
Yeah, and that's why I knew Disney could do that easier. I've been to Las Vegas a ton of years running for Summer League and the like, and it's a fantastic venue for Summer League. The challenge is they are out there. You have um, – it's a real city, you know, and you can't necessarily just shut it down because the NBA is there where Disney had all the same kind of venues and everything you need, and Disney could shut things down. And that was why you right. know, I knew that Disney would be able to pull that off and – and, you know, they, they did, you know, as well with that as, you know, anybody think could. And now we get the G League there and getting started and all that. So, you know, I think they're really in good shape. Now, you live in Orlando. You live locally. But it's my understanding that you're a Celtics fan. I'm not really a Celtics fan anymore as much as I covered the team right. for a Celtics blog. But I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, I, I grew up there. I've been living here in Orlando for you know a long time now but i i grew up in in uh, massachusetts um in the 80s and 90s and then moved down here uh right, right around uh 2000 or so um yeah, it was when I, I came here for good growing up what was that team or that player that you kind of rooted for as you were um growing up and getting into basketball yeah the celtics and larry bird that, that's who i grew up on in the 80s and it was hard to grow up as a kid in boston and not have larry bird be your favorite player and then from there uh after he retired i was a big patrick ewing fan so i rooted for the knicks for a while um patrick ewing grew up in massachusetts as well um so we did just through knew the family a little bit uh when i was you know very very young so i was a big uh patrick ewing fan so i rooted for the knicks during that period of time um you know to because i wanted to see patrick win one and then after that i kind of started to become much more of a general NBA fan versus necessarily a uh, you know fan of a specific team, and then since covering the league, it it can be a little hard to stay a fan of a of a team because you want to be you know uh, really unbiased the way you approach things and the like. So you know now you know I still root for players. Um, I was really pulling hard for the Magic to make the playoffs a couple of years ago because mostly selfish reasons. I wanted to cover <laughs> playoff games uh, oh, in person right. in, in the uh, Amway Center. So, so you know, we got to do that so that they, you know, so I, I, I let my selfish motivation sometimes creep in there. I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the team so far? I mean, I, obviously it was a little disciplined. The fan base considered this offseason to be really disappointing. We were expecting more. Um, truthfully, it kind of feels like that kind of goes for us almost the last three, four seasons. We want more to happen in the offseason. But a lot of other teams in the East got better. Um, and, you know, we started off pretty strong. We even had people in the media kind of apologizing to the Orlando Magic. Hedrick Perkins was one of the main ones that says, I was so wrong about the Magic. We went on a four-game winning streak, and then injuries happened. Um, from from that type of perspective, I mean, uh, is it is it what you expected? Is it were you, were you kind of thinking that maybe we had a chance? Um, I thought that they were going to be okay. I thought they could get get by. We knew Jonathan Isaac wasn't going to play all year, right? Right. We knew that the entire time. But I thought they'd be all right. I thought Markel Fultz would step up and step forward, and he was showing signs of that before he got hurt. Uh, but, yeah, then he got hurt. Fournier was out for a while with the back, and now Aaron Gordon's out. And I feel like every year there's one or two teams on in each conference where kind of the wheels fall off and everything just falls apart and it becomes a season that can't be salvaged. Some Often that's due to injury, and you kind of pass the pointer or no return with injuries, and that's kind of where I think the Magic are at now. I mean, they 
know, they'll hang around the play in race just because I have that much faith in Steve Clifford. I think Vooch is that good. I think the guys that, that they have are doing stuff, but you know, I kind of look at it and say, that's not really where you want to be though. Right. And if it, if it right. is take a step back now to take many steps forward in the future, I think that's the direction to to go. And this year's just kind of a very different kind of year with everything that's going on. And I think this year sets up kind of perfectly to do that. But yeah, I thought they were going to have a good year. I thought they'd be, you know, right there to, to be a playoff team again. And now, you know, I think things have just changed enough that we're not going to get there. So you think, Keith, that even through all the injuries that, that we're, the team is facing right now, you still see them kind of playing, getting close to the playing uh, playoffs maybe even, not having Gordon now for almost a month? Yeah, play in, not playoffs. <laughs> I think pretty, pretty big difference, right? <laughs> to be a short playoff team, you got to get to six. They're not going to get that high. So so I think, yeah, I think, but, but the play in, and that more says says more about the teams in the East that are around that area, I think, than it necessarily does the magic. And I think, you know, Cleveland, New York, Chicago, Charlotte, they're, they're even with the injuries, you know, assuming Gordon is not out for, you know, three months or anything that doesn't turn into one of those kind of things. And then, then I think they're on an even playing field with those teams. But, you know, I look at it and just kind of say, all right, after two years of playoff appearances is really fighting for 10, what you want to do that, that, you know, doesn't seem to be the direction I think they would really want to go in. I mean, no Jonathan Isaac, no Markel Fultz, injuries left and right. Um, there's reports saying that we might get Aminu back uh, next week. Um, is is taking a step back the way to go? I mean, obviously, the our front office, they're, they're very adamant about not utilizing the word tanking mm-hmm. as most front offices. Um, they believe in having the opportunity to have players play in meaningful games. But given the circumstances... You know, is is trading in your assets right now? The Evan Fournier's, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon. Is that really the route to go now? I think it is, and he, here's why. And I and I was one of those people who the last couple of years, when you had the handful of fans saying, you know, who cares? You know, I don't care about being the eighth seed or the seventh seed and getting bounced after you know early in the playoffs. You're know, losing, you know, early in the first round and those kind of things. And I look at it as, well, yeah, but this team had never even played meaningful games past the trade deadline for what five or six years in a row like like that is important you do need to learn how to play but now i look at it circumstances have changed and when i look at the group now i start to think well if they what is the ceiling of this group so let's say you bring everybody back you know you keep everybody you bring everybody back next year Fultz is probably going to miss at least the very beginning part of the season, probably maybe even half of it, because we're going to be on more of a normal schedule next year. So you bring him, you know, you eventually get him back. What's your ceiling then? Sixth? You know, that's where it starts to look for me. Like if that's where you're at, that's not enough. You know, yeah, had everybody stayed healthy and they'd continue to progress, maybe this year would have been a four, five, six season. And then you could really start to say, all right, now we got something here. Now, now we're building around this. But, you know, there's no no guarantee Evan Fournier is going to return, right? He's a free agent after the season. When I look at Fournier, I think this is a guy who's, who's he's at that point in his career where it's kind of, all right, I've put up numbers. I've made a decent amount of money. I probably want to win. Uh, there's going to be a lot of money available this summer and not, not a lot of players suspended on. So he's probably going to get paid. I don't know that it's the right thing for the magic to lock into a long-term deal with him, just where the roster is at today. So I think what you're looking at now is you can 
take a what I'm not going to say tank and bottom out. If that's the end result, so be it. It's not the worst year in the world. I know the Magic are one of the few teams letting fans in the building, but it's so few. It's mm-hmm. not like you're going to lose so many ticket sales because the team stinks. And then this is a right. great draft class. Right. So you, you would love to be in the mix to, to get one of those players. Now, here's where I know Magic fans are going to say, we never pick higher than fifth. You know, or, or if it's if it's a five player draft, we pick six. If it's a 10 player draft, we pick 11. Right. Just, you know, it seems right. the way how it goes. And I, and I always kind of go back, well, maybe you're a little young, but there was a point in time where they had the number one pick two years in a row. And then they got it again, you know, later. So, you know, when I kind of look at it, though, I think this would be a good year to, you know, really take that step back. And then what you're looking at going into next year is Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki got all the minutes they could handle. So they good development year for them. Isaac back, Fultz back at some point, whatever you got in return for the, for the veterans on the team and trade, plus probably whoever you draft very high in this, you know, good deep draft plus, you know, additional draft capital coming forward down the line. That's not the end end of the world because that is now something you can build around. Also, you're going to clean up your cap sheet considerably going forward. So I, I that's where I've looked at it and said, as long as it's the right kind of moves, I, I'm all for, you know, starting to move on as much as I love these guys. And I love, you know, that they were able to finally break through as a group to get to the playoffs. I think we've hit a point where what, where are you going from here? Because I don't know that it's going to be a true title contender. And at that point, it's, all right, we gave this thing a good run. We've gone as far as we can. Now it's time to make some changes. Yeah, and you briefly touched upon Cole Anthony, who, again, has has kind of stepped in there and, and replaced Markel and done his best to to do what he can, being thrown into, again, no training camp, really no summer league, and now kind of running the team all of a sudden. What are your thoughts on him so far this season and, and how much better do you think he can get as the season progresses? Yeah, I like him. You know, it's a roller coaster. All rookie point guards are. He's you know, going to have those games where he has 20 points and 10 assists, and then the next night he might have 10 points and nine turnovers. You know, and those things are going to happen. But I love he competes. He plays really hard every single minute he's out there. He's not afraid of anybody. You know, he's not afraid of the moment. When I talked to scouts before, there were a lot of scouts who said, that kid's way better than he looked at North Carolina because that North Carolina team was a mess and just, you know, there was no spacing. They, 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 they didn't run good stuff. It was just one of those down years for one of the, you know, better programs in, in college basketball. And a lot of people said, you know, don't, don't judge him on that. You know, we gotta, uh, you know, you know, really project what he's going to be in the NBA. And a lot of people said, I think it'll be good. The question was, was he going to play enough in Orlando because of Fultz? Being there, and I think you know Steve Clifford had good plans, and we're starting to see just a little bit of the two of them playing together because I think full size allows you to do that. So I, I really like him. You know, I'm high on him. There's things he needs to work on for sure. He's got to be you know, a little bit better with the ball. There's times when I'd like to see him be a better playmaker for others. Uh, right now, he's very much a scorer, but those are all things with young point guards, and I think he'll get there. And it's you know that's one of the blessings now is he's going to get all the minutes he can handle the rest of the way this season. So you just kind of make the best of it and and you know see where it turns out, and hopefully it turns into a good thing long term. Yeah, the way I viewed it was it was a blessing in disguise. As much as you wouldn't want any of your players to get hurt, uh, the reality is, in my opinion, without Jonathan Isaac, Jonathan Isaac is is our ceiling. And without him, you know, the Magic won't won't see that without yeah. him. So the way I view it is Cole Anthony, he gets the experience, and then next season, year two, he's going to be even that much more developed, that much more comfortable. Hopefully the game slows down even more for him. 
Um, and, and one of the things that I guess is kind of awesome for him is that he ended up going to a team where he has a player where he feels comfortable with and kind of help with the transition of Mo Bamba. Now, Mo Bamba's situation is a little, it's a little weird. It's a little unorthodox. Uh, from, from your perspective, um, how do you view their situation? Cause you hear something from Mo Bamba and then you hear something from coach Cliff and they're on opposite ends. Yeah, I think now we're finally getting a little more clarity on that in the last few right. days where where I think now we're starting to understand it's 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 more about on court than anything off court because for a long time it was they were being cautious with him which that was 100% the right thing to do, right? We we still are struggling yeah. to understand, you know, a lot of the long-term lasting effects of COVID and the like, but then as you kind of were referencing, you know, Mo was saying but I'm ready. I feel good. I can play. I've passed every test. I'm, you know, I want to get out there and do those things. And I kind of look at it as, yeah, maybe he wasn't ready to play 40 minutes, but either he can play, he can either play or he can't. If he can't play, then don't play him. Don't give him two minutes at the end of a blowout. But now what we finally got clarity on in the last couple of days was Steve Clifford talked about, he's not going to play over Vooch, right? We know that. Right. And then Cliff very clearly said, and Ken Birch is playing too well for him to play over Birch. And he can't play next to either of those two guys either. That's It's just not going to work. You're going to struggle too much, I think, to create a good offense. The, the team already has a hard enough time creating offense as it is you're not going to make it even harder on yourself with with uh you know two bigs so so that's where i think he's now right now he's the third center in a rotation that doesn't allow for three centers to play and that's just the reality now that's where again it kind of comes back to well is the best thing to move on from vooch or birch and then you just give those minutes to bomba you're probably going to be bad anyway but but let's find out you know, let's find out can this guy play or not. Um, you know, but as long as they're in compete mode and they're still trying to win as many games as they can, he's probably not going to play very much. You're probably going to see you know him on the bench, and then if there's a game where there's foul trouble, you know that that might be the night where he plays 10, 15 minutes. But other than that, it's you know going to be a handful of minutes here and there at the end of blowouts. Yeah, I mean, what do you think that does to his confidence? As, as we know, Bamba comes into the league, and, and he, unfortunately, we haven't seen that that motor in Mo Bamba, you know, that aggressiveness that we've seen at Ken Burge. Um, so what do you think that does to his confidence? And I mean, and, and do the Magic then pursue a trade for someone like Ken Burge, who is an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and try to open up minutes for him that way? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Birch is a guy I would you know be looking to move on from because I think a lot of teams would like him, and I think he's a guy you put him on a really good team, and all of a sudden people are like, whoa, Ken Birch, you know, where's this guy been? Because I think you know yeah. you guys watch him play every night, right? So you know Ken Birch can mm-hmm. play. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know he's not it's not like he's you're gonna go so it's he's not Christian Wood, right? He's not gonna blow up into an All Star, but you know Ken Birch could be one of the top backup centers in the in the league, and you know he might already be that. He just doesn't get that recognition because of because of the situation. So yeah, so if you moved on from him, you know you could you're not gonna get anything super great there, but maybe a young player, maybe a couple second round picks, something like that. And I think that you know is that also has the added benefit of opening up those minutes for Bamba now. My question on his confidence is, I would hope he would look at this as, all right, you don't think I can play? I'm going to show you. And then his opportunity is go out there, you know, uh, pardon my French, but 
bust the ass of Booch, Vooch and Birch every single practice, right? Make them look bad. Make Clifford play you. And Steve Clifford is the kind of guy who, if you earn it in practice, you're going to play, you know, that that's how, you know, some of these, that's how Birch initially earned his minutes was because he was mm-hmm. doing that. That's how Wesson Windu earned minutes over the last couple of years. Cause he was going at guys so hard in practice. So he'll play guys if they, if they can earn those minutes. I just think there's always been that question of Bamba is, how much does he love the game? You know, it, it, does he really want to, to be that guy? And it, this to me, sadly has written all over it. Another one of those guys where it's not going to happen here. And then he's going to go somewhere else. And then we'll either see either the next place he'll finally blossom and he'll figure it out, or he'll be like a Jalil Okafor where just cause he's seven feet tall and kind of athletic and looks like a player, he'll, he'll be in the league for, you know, seven or eight years, but never really does much, you know, on any kind of good team. Yeah, as a fan, it's frustrating because you look at a player like Ken Birch, he's obviously playing way better than anyone has expected, right? Kind of came out of nowhere. But I view it as, okay, Ken kind of earned the second string center position. And then you would expect for any player, especially if you're in the NBA, because you don't just get there out of pure luck. Sometimes you need more luck, more talent, you need a little bit of everything. I expected it as he was going to take it as an opportunity. This guy isn't going to, he's not going to take the minutes over me. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to take it myself. I just feel like we haven't seen that. I get, I guess the, the perception of him is that he has a low motor and there was interviews that, you know, Cole Anthony had with, um, with Terrence Ross on his podcast where they kind of talked about a situation where he kind of fell asleep his rookie season, missed a practice, whatever case may be. So a, a lot of the speculation is the, the low motor. Um, I mean, can can a player like that really turn it around this situation? Because the way that it seems, uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but even on the stories that he posts, there's a lot of subliminal messages about people doubting him and not believing in him. Can he kind of climb out of that? Is that a possibility? I mean, he can, but my thing is don't post it on you know Instagram or Twitter. Do yeah. it. You know, show, show it in practice, show it, you know, in the court, you know, and that's the other thing that bothers me. You know, I would look at it as you see all around the league. There are guys, I don't know how much you guys follow the league as a whole, but there's a guy in the Timberwolves right now, Jared Vanderbilt, who did not play in his first couple of years in the league at all. What he finally did was he, you know, kept, kept going hard, going hard. And the Nuggets, when he was there, would talk about, you know, this guy plays so hard. We just don't have any minutes because we've got this deep front court and all this stuff. Finally got his chance in Minnesota. You know what he's done? He's busted his ass every single game when you see him out there. Now it started was was when he was getting five minutes at the end of a blowout. He, he was always showing up. He was doing something. And I see Mo gets in there at the end of these blowouts. And there's sometimes where he's just, he's just kind of out there. You know, he's going up and down and it's like, Hey man, you know, go demand the ball, go make plays, go block some shots, you know, send one into the 10th row, you know, because who cares, right? It's the end of a blow. And it doesn't, you know, you don't need to control a block, but do something that's going to show up and get people like, all right, you know, there it is because he's shown those little flashes and I think he's got some good skills. My question is, you know, does he want it enough? And there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, these guys who post over and over again about how bad they want it. They just need a chance. And then it's like, man, then take advantage when you get that chance. And that's, that's the question I kind of have with him is, is, is he going to you know, take advantage of that when he finally does get that opportunity? Because so far it's been any opportunity he's gotten is really because he was a high draft pick and you feel like you have to give it to him. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think, again, that the Magic fan base, 
Twitter, Magic fanbase especially, they're dying to see this guy play. And especially because we didn't get a chance to see him play at the bubble. We didn't get a chance to really see him play early in the season due to COVID issues that he was still dealing with. And now it's like, hey, he's finally healthy. We want to get him out there on the court and see what he's got because we know he's got potential. We know, he, again, his wingspan alone, his three-point shooting are things that get us excited. Um, but I think if the losing continues, the Magic may be forced to say, hey, let, let's see what he's got before it's too late. Um, but at this point, like you mentioned, the team is still trying to win. The team's still trying to find ways to salvage the season. And unfortunately, it's a season where there's not a lot of practice time either. You know, Clifford doesn't have those, you know, two times a week where they can just run full practice and see what Mo can do. So it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, but kind of transitioning here to trade season. So we're about a month and a half away from the trade deadline. We talked about the Magic. You know, we, they're, they're kind of up in the air right now as to what the future may be. One guy you mentioned, Evan Fournier. That's one of the most uh, bipolar players in our roster. Some people love him. Some people, unfortunately, don't like him in our roster. What do you think the Magic eventually end up doing with him? Um, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Do you see the Magic moving on from him? Or what are your, your thoughts on, on him and, and the future with the Magic? Yeah, I think Evan Fournier, almost regardless of if you're trying to be competitive or not, you need to, to, to your conversation today needs to be, are we re-signing him at the end of the year? And what's our walkaway point? Because every team has a walkaway point, right? If some team wants to throw my max, then see you, Evan, you know, good luck. You know, thanks for all you've done. Um, but, you know, you have to have your walkaway number. No. And if, and if it's so low that you know you're going to lose them, trade them now. Even if you only get a late first round pick or, you know, two seconds or a young, young flyer player, it's better than watching them walk for nothing. And now that's, that's what I worry about with um, Fournier is, you know, are you going to hang on to him so long that you kind of chase this dream of, you know, being in the play in or, you know, making it into the actual playoffs that, then it doesn't happen and now you've kept him and then he walks for nothing. You have, you you have, you know, nothing to show for his time here. So I would rather see them move on from him. Now, you know, he's become a good player, you know, in his time here in Orlando. And it's very clear when he doesn't play how much they miss him because he's one of the only guys who can regularly create a good look for himself on the offense, um, especially off the dribble. So, so they, they, they will miss him. But my thing is, all right, so you miss him in what? Instead of scoring 102 points, you score 96 points. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You're not going to win the game anyway. So move on, you know, get a younger player in there. I, th- I think it would be easier if they had a younger uh, wing that could just step right in for him. They don't really yeah. have that. But just give those minutes to Dwayne Bacon. Up Ross's playing time a little bit more. You know, when MCW gets back, you play him some more. You know, maybe you could get a younger guy in return for Fournier and go forward. I, I think in the good thing is this year, because of the play-in, there's not going to be a lot of sellers like there normally is, right? Normally we've got, you know, teams that are 11th and lower by the trade deadline kind of know we're probably out of it. And so we've got, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sellers uh, total in the league. I think this year, you know, we may only have four or five. So it's going to be a seller's market. You're going to be able to demand more because there's going to be so many buyers out there. So I think, think if you're the magic, you could get ahead of that and really say, hey, we can get a lot for these guys right now. And that might be the better direction. Again, that all kind of goes to that theme of take a little step back now to take bigger steps, steps forward later. I mean, it's a little risky now waiting or holding on to Evan Fournier for as long as you you have. I mean, it, there could be a possibility where they don't like 
anything on the market or you you're not getting back the return that you would like for an Evan Fournier and then you really do lose them for for nothing you know the main core of Aaron Gordon Nikola Vucevic Evan Fournier these are players from the Rob Hennigan era and they're they kind of still trickled their way through um, this era that we have in our front office and we know that our front office are very conservative and it kind of feels like you know these players have been in the talks of rumors for every <laughs> single trade deadline at least in the last yeah. three to four years so my question is is do we overvalue those players? Do we think that they're way better than what I guess the rest of the league views them? Because another another thing that people need to look at it is a player like Nikola Vucevic that he's playing amazing basketball. If you were to trade him away, are you really going to get an equal return for you know that level of player? Yeah, so I think it as with most things, there's a little bit of both that goes on. Here, I think, especially like Aaron Gordon, right? He's been mentioned in trade talks for at least the last three seasons, uh, including this yep. one. And I think the challenge is the Magic have always looked at it and said, if our return is going to be some questionable guy who's really not that good, we're not giving him up because, you know, we believe that he's going to grow into something more. Uh, they loved what they saw the one year when they made uh, the playoffs and beat the Raptors, what, two years ago. Um, what they had when it was, Vooch, Gordon, and Isaac as their front core. You they, they and and they weren't wrong, right? They were pretty good together. Even though you know uh, Isaac and Gordon might not be perfect fits, I think Vooch's all around game balances that out a little bit more because they play more on the inside as you know Vooch migrates to be more of a jump shooter. So so I think think that's you know where it balances. And of course, they help defensively cover for him. So I think think that was the thing was there was never really good offers for Aaron Gordon. There were offers. But you don't just take them just because, right? It's got to be the right move. Uh, now, beyond that, I haven't heard a whole lot of, uh, you know, credible stuff as far as teams offering, you know, real good packages that Orlando has ever turned down for Vooch or Ross or Fournier. It's always been more of there have been talks because there's talks on every single player in the league. Right. I mean, we, we know this, they, you know, teams are calling on just about everybody, you know, all the time, but it, it, as far as getting serious, I've never heard that it's gotten serious for those guys. Challenge with Vooch is as good as Vooch is, he's now on the wrong side of 30. So that's something you got to factor in. And he's owed a lot of money right uh, after 72 million uh, this year through the next two seasons. That starts to become a little tricky because there's only a handful of teams that can do that. And we're starting to see teams are investing less and less in the center position, unless it's a true right. difference maker like Rudy Gobert or somebody along those lines. So I think that's where it starts to become a little harder for the magic because what you're, what you're seeing there is, but what do we do? You know, we do, do we sell low on this guy just to clear him clearly he's too good to just salary dump. Uh, so I think that's where you get caught a little bit. This is a guy who's, you know, he's an all-star a couple of years ago. He's playing like a borderline all-star again this year, you know, so it becomes really hard of, yeah, you'd probably rather not have that contract, but he's also far too good to just give him away without a good return. And that's where it gets really kind of kind of tricky. You got to find that exact right team who has a need for him. And that's only probably what four or five teams in the league that can may make that case. I think one of those teams that, that come to mind right away, and I think for years we've been hearing about this, and you cover them, the Boston Celtics. I know we we've we've heard rumors <laughs> yeah. of the of the Celtics liking Vooch before, Aaron Gordon. Um in a year like this, I know, again, like Ant mentioned before, Vucevic is that guy, right? He's that all-star the Magic have right now, that go-to player. 
Do you see the Celtics making that call to the Magic and saying, hey, we have this trade exemption available. We have some young guys. We have some picks. And he is a piece that if you think about Kemba Walker, Brown, Tatum, and now you add Vooch to that equation, they can make some noise in the East. Do you expect that to happen in the next few months? The Celtics show some interest in a guy like Vooch or perhaps Aaron Gordon? Yeah, I think they certainly will. I think Vooch, Gordon, Ross, Fournier, I think they'll show, probably in that order, they'll show interest in all of them because because they all can fit in and fill a need, uh, various needs for, for the Celtics. And I think Vooch and Gordon make sense because Boston doesn't have the ability to add uh, players except via the trade exception. They're just going to be very limited in resources because Brown's on a near-max extension, Tatum's max extension kicks in. Uh, next year, Kemba Walker's now uh, got a couple of years left on a max deal. So it's going to be a little bit before they have any kind of cap space flexibility wise. So you're really looking at it as, all right, well, you know, we can acquire guys. So I think that's where it becomes important that that player is at least a couple of years under contract so that you're able to really uh, kind of hone in and, and get those guys and keep them longer term uh, versus, you know, that's why I don't think Fournier really fits for the Celtics because that would be a one year kind of thing. He's also not a perfect fit. They, they could use a wing, but I, I don't know that he's necessarily the wing that they need. I think Ross would be a better fit for what they need, uh, you know, right now. But yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of stuff there match wise because Boston could also send, you know, they have all their own first round picks and they could also send things like, you know, Romeo Lank for Grant Williams, Robert Williams, you know, younger guys who could be at least kind of interesting to Orlando um, where, you know, if you send those guys and some picks, you know, all of a sudden now we're, we're, you know, maybe got something that could match up there. I mean, so where do the magic go from here? So I obviously they, they have options and it is kind of, it's, it's either you trade, you trade away your pieces and you develop your young talent, or you still kind of try to fight it out with the roster that you have. We have players coming back mentioned earlier, Aminu, you know, we're hoping MCW comes back. So there is a possibility to kind of fight and play in that playing tournament. Um, but and if we're using history as any example, the last two seasons, we made it to the eighth spot and we won game one. And then that's, that's about it. Yeah, I, I think uh, what you're doing if you're the Magic is you're going to give this probably about two or three more weeks. And this is the case with most teams in the league. You know, we're still far enough out from the trade deadline. I know our brains are wired to think it's right around the corner, but because of the late start, right, it, it's the end of March this year. So I think what you're going to see is the Magic give it about two or three more weeks. Uh, and then what you'll see them do, my guess is really evaluate where we're at. If they've kind of tread water and they can hang in there and they're, they're, you know, let's say they play at 500 from here over the next three weeks. Then what you can do is look at yourself and say, all right, Gordon's not that far from coming back. Aminu's now back, hopefully, maybe, and he's in shape. Carter Williams is in shape and we're starting to play, you know, much better. Um, so I think what, <laughs> sorry, I guess my dumb, my, or puppies <laughs> now let me know, mail the family's home. Um, but they are, uh, so I think what you're kind of looking at if you're Orlando is you are um, uh, you're going to give it this three weeks, see where you're at. And if they fall further out, then I think that's where you're going to start to see them say, all right, you know what? It's probably time to make some some pretty big changes around here. I don't know that they're going to go wholesale and, you know, Vooch, Gordon, Fournier and Ross are all gone. You know, but, you know, two of them. 
that wouldn't surprise me, you know, if that's where it goes. But if they hang in there, then I think it becomes all right. We hung in there, and we're in this race, and then I think it's then I think it's we're probably going to ride this out one more year, and then we'll see what we got to do in the off season to change things up. I think that I think it's exactly what, what we are, as fans are expecting. We, we expect that we're expecting a rebuild of some sort. But I don't think we're going to see, like you mentioned, a dismantling of this roster. I think there's pieces they like, especially when J.I. has missed so much time. Fultz, unfortunately, missing so much time. I can see the team saying, hey, we're going to mess around with some pieces and kind of come back and see what we got. But like you mentioned, they do have to make some tweaks and adjustments that are larger than what they've done in the past. They've added small pieces here and there, but not really made a change that has been drastic. Um so I'm going to put you on the spot here and kind of put you on, on the seat of the GM. You're, you're running the Magic here all of a sudden. Where do the Magic stand heading into October of next season? What moves do you make and what kind of roster do you want to have in place next season with J.I. coming back if you are running this team? I was running this team. I would, um, I'd see what I can do. And if I can get good deals for the kind of four veteran guys, I move them all out. I try to take back very little salary that's going to be on the books uh, past the next year or two. And then that kind of leaves me with Fultz, Isaac, Anthony, and Okiki, and then whatever young players I get back in the trades and draft picks. And that's how I'm building uh, building it going forward with a ton of cap space because they got Fultz and Isaac on pretty good extensions, you know, assuming they can get healthy and play. Um, you know, the, the, injury discounts. Yeah, exactly. Then you're in pretty good shape there. When you have those guys kind of on undervalued deals, that makes it easier to build out the rest of the roster. I mean, that's how they got to this point kind of in the first place, right? That that was they they guys on undervalued deals for so long. So I think that's the direction. I I don't think I know that's the direction I would take. That's and then you also are going to get a really good draft pick this year. You know, maybe you get lucky and you get like a Cade Cunningham or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, now we really got something here, right? We got, you know, Anthony Fultz in the backcourt. We got, you know, Cunningham and Isaac and, you know, maybe Mo Bamba shows something enough. And we got Chumo Kiki and, you know, they're, they're, we're really building something here that we can really feel good about moving forward. That's the direction I would take because I just see even if you do run it back, and let's say Isaac comes back and he's healthy. He's going to have to be defensive player of the year level. And great Fultz is going to have to come back and look absolutely amazing. Anthony Okiki, you're going to have to take big steps forward. Because that the other thing with guys like Fournier and Vooch, and probably Ross to some extent, probably less because his game should age fairly well, those guys are going to start to drop off. It might not. It's not going to be huge. I don't think they're going to fall to be bad players, but you're going to start to see them drop off, and the young guys are going to have to – so is they're kind of going from here to here, and I'm making hand – this will play real well on for people listening to this because I'm making hand gestures. They're going to have to go from way up here to down here. While the young players, they can't go from – from down here to kind of the middle, they've got to go here to get the team, you know, better. So that's the challenge, right? Is, is you're, you're going to need more out of the young guys. And I think they can make up for what the older guys will drop off. And that for me says, then it's time to move. And you can do this almost as a soft reset versus a rebuild. You don't have to bottom out because you've got Fultz, you've got Isaac, you've got Anthony, you've got Okiki, Maybe Bamba becomes something. If you have that, that's already five guys there that are pretty good, you know, that you can really say, yeah, these are guys we can do some stuff around. And then ton of cap flexibility, that's the direction I would be going in. Yeah, in the beginning of the season, um, 
Jeff Woolman, he had an interview with uh, Josh Robbins where he didn't rule out the possibility of there being some type of mm-hmm. reset. He didn't say, no, that's not happening. I love our players, which is a little, it's a different tone than what he had Absolutely, previously. Yep. Um, so let, 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 last question for you. If if we're looking at Terrence Ross, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, who survives out of that four? Who is still remaining realistically on the roster? Because you had mentioned earlier that you definitely see at least two of them um, getting moved. But between the four, who's... Who's at least salvageable? Yeah, I think Fournier is the most likely to be moved because he's at that expiring deal. Uh, after that, I, I go back and forth on the other three because I think they all have – Vooch is the best player of the three, but he's got the biggest contract. Gordon is, is the next best player, but he's not a great fit everywhere. Ross is a great fit everywhere – but he's got the kind of contract where the magic might say, well, we'll just stick with him and keep him because he could be good around, you know, with, with younger guys, just because again, what his role is as kind of that, that super sub come in and, you know, I'm, you know, shoot and score and all those things. So I think it, it's really hard. So Fournier is the most likely, I will say, I'll say that Ross is the most, most likely to kind of survive it. Um, you know, it, that's a weird way to put it. No, I actually, I'm going to change my mind too. I'm going to say Gordon is the one who's most likely to stay because I think Vooch will, will return the biggest package. And I think they'll have no shortage of suitors for Ross because he's on a good contract and teams are always looking for a shooting off the bench. You know, good teams are always looking for that. So I think they could move him pretty easily and get something good. So I'll say it's Gordon, just the injuries combined with he's a kind of weird fit that doesn't fit on every single team in the league. So I think he's the guy who's probably most likely to be back, which is a little weird because he's probably the guy who most could benefit from doing something different, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. Cause uh, the fear has always been um, uh, with Aaron Gordon every year is kind of another year of age that you're adding yeah. on to it. And he's such a, he's a player that relies so much on his, on his athleticism that if you kind of lose that step, especially with even the the injuries and the bumps and bruises that you get without the season, you know, that's, that's, that's his main play. That's where he's most effective on the court is being able to use his, his agility and, and being able to play above. And the magic fans I talk to, I know the fear is we don't want, Aaron Gordon to be the next Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris. And, you know, he goes somewhere else and he blows up. And now all of a sudden this guy's an all-star and you know that now what I will say on that is every team has that kind of history. You know, no, nobody's ever moved on from guys and, you know, they never turn into anything else anywhere. I think it's just what, what's happened with the magic in the past is Harris and Oladipo, they gave up on a little too early where I think Gordon you've, we're what we're in year seven now. You've given this yep. a pretty good run, you know. I mean, this is not this is not a Victor Oladipo after year two or whatever it was. Uh, this is not Tobias Harris just as he was kind of coming into his own. You know that that's not what this situation is. This is you've given this a run. You you you've done everything you could. If he goes somewhere and he you know turns into an all star, it's not like you're losing him and he's going to turn into a multi time all star. You know, and in exactly. you know, and at this point, I think you know seven years, you know, or six at least six plus years, six and a half years. If he gets straighted this year, you've done everything you could. And I say that as somebody who loves AG, and I think he's you know I think he's been miscast because he's played too much of his career in Orlando as a uh, number two 
I think he should be a three or a four or even a five on a really good team. Um, you know, not positionally wise, but you know, in terms of a pecking order, his best player. And I think that'll show up. That's where you know, if he if he could be a Harrison Barnes type of guy on a really good team, all of a sudden everybody's gonna be like, oh, Aaron Gordon, huh? You know, and for Aaron Gordon, that might not be the worst thing too, because then in two years his contract is up. Look at what happened with Harrison Barnes. Right, he got paid a whole lot of money twice. Because people people always go back to, well, you know, give him a bigger role when in reality you start to going to be like, no, he was being properly paid for a lesser role, which is, you know, which is perfectly fine, too. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. There's so many different um, avenues and decisions to be made um, around March 25th. Al has this uh, thing where he believes that everything's going to go down a lot sooner than the trade Good. deadline. Um I, I think that, you know, it's it's going to be a, a little bit of a brutal road on the way to March 25th for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to be hard for Magic fans, I think, because it's just going to – they are right now the single biggest team that gets put in my mentions of, like, they got to do this, they got to do that with, with trades beyond yeah. Bradley Beal. But that's, you know, just one player, you know, because we all got to go to the next star to be dealt. But, yeah, Magic fans are in there constantly. Uh, you know, Our NBA fans are in there constantly talking about Magic players and, and it's and it's tough too because you know i've grown attached to these guys over the years living here and going to the games and those kind of things and i you know and it, that that's where i see how it's hard you know to that it's very easy to see why you sometimes can overvalue guys because it's like man i've been with these guys you know they, these were they, this group here they, these are the post white guys right and they finally grew into yep. to a playoff team and all that and you know as as the old song goes you know breaking up is hard to do you know <laughs> but sometimes it's the best for everybody yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be hard because even watching dj augustine i was such a big dj fan and seeing him uh dress up in his milwaukee gear and and kind of playing against him was a little hard to watch so i can only imagine maybe not so much with a player like evan fournier but you know nikola vucevic is someone that you know we've seen really grown from being a kid to being you know the man that he is now so it's gonna it's gonna be fun to watch it's gonna be fun to be able to see the outcome from everything yeah most one of the more interesting teams in the league i think leading up to the deadline which is a little weird because they're generally not all that interesting on a you know league-wide, <laughs> league-wide standing yeah that's right keith thank you so much for being on the show with us you can find keith smith on yahoo real gm celtics blog the front office show find him on twitter and follow him at keith smith nba thank you so much man it was thanks a guys i appreciate you having me thank you y'all stay safe you and yours thank you absolutely Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.